You were raised to believe the world was black and white. But what if it isn't? What if the rigid belief system you have never questioned is wrong? What if the world is actually a lot more gray? This show is for the seekers, the explorers, those brave enough to step outside of certainty and question everything. Join your hosts as they sit across from the world's leading thought leaders, visionaries, religious gurus, entrepreneurs, philosophers, and more to tackle difficult topics. You don't need all the answers to find meaning in life, but you should be free to ask all the questions. This is Figuring It Out. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Figuring It Out. Today's episode was kind of a doozy. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff that I didn't think that we were going to talk about. So we, we had a friend in town, basically. His name is Riley Meek. Riley is the founder of the Social Dynamic Selling System. He sold almost $200 million through dinner seminars in the last decade. Multiple products, crazy story, crazy background, expert sales guy. Um, so I thought we were going to talk more about you know business, personal finance and stuff, which we obviously touched on that and talked about it for a good amount of time. He's also the founder of the King's Council, which is uh, kind of like a Christian business mastermind and things like that. So we also talked a lot about family. We talked a little bit about Christianity and his decision to be in the church, why he stayed there and, uh, and why he continues to do what he does. We also talked about the education system, about alternatives to the education system and whether or not you should keep your kids in it, take them out of it, do something different, be creative. We talked about parenting. We talked about school. We talked about money. Uh, we talked about God. We talked about so many different things in this episode. So I'm really excited to release this one. And really all around, just Riley's a good dude. I'm uh, I'm grateful to have him in my life. And he happens to be a client of ours here at, at my company, Guestio. Uh, so lots of really great stuff in this episode, guys. I can't wait for you to check it out. Would love to hear your thoughts as usual. Just leave us a quick rating review on Apple, Spotify, or if you're watching on YouTube, drop a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. And, uh, and, and we'll look forward to discussing that with you and getting back to you there. So enjoy this episode that we put together with Riley Meek. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Figuring It Out today in studio. It feels good to be back in studio, by the way. In studio, we have uh, a good friend of ours, Riley Meek, joining us. What's up, Riley? Hey, man, what's happening? So we asked Riley to come on because we knew he was going to be in Vegas. Uh, not only is he a client of ours, but uh, we've been a client of his. We've worked together on multiple uh, multiple things in business. And the one thing that I really respected about your story that the, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on this show rather than having you again over on the entrepreneurship show on Build Your Network was that we talk a lot about personal finance. And even if you didn't grow up with, you know, uh, rich parents or going to the best schools and getting the best education, that it's completely still within the realm of possibility to be able to live a life of abundance, to have the impact that you want, to leave a legacy for your family. It's still within the realm of possibility for yourself if you can get a hold of your mindset early yeah. on enough. So um, let's just start there, man. Start with uh, kind of childhood and then how you started to figure out life into, you know, your early 20s and stuff. So uh, yeah. Maybe just kind of set the scene for us, family life and and what that looked like for you growing up so we get a better context understanding of, of how you've ended up where you are. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in South Dakota, which is a state, if you can't remember. <laughs> it's a great place to be from, but not a whole lot going on there anymore. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I emphasize from, no offense if people are from South Dakota, but yeah. it's salt of the earth people there. But I grew up in a town of like a thousand people. Like, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity. My dad- Mom and my dad got divorced at the age of five, lived like 30 miles from each other. So I was like back and forth, back and forth a fair amount. And I really think, you know, just kind of hindsight looking back, I, I think that that was kind of my first introduction to like marketing, 
and selling, mm. selling one parent on one thing versus and then the other on another thing. Um, but also I think too, it also really kind of developed, which would probably be like a, not a, a great um, characteristic of just the people pleasing. Like I wanted, when I was with my mom, I would just sneak away and I'd call my dad and, and I didn't want him to feel like I wanted, like I loved my mom more than him because I was there and then vice versa. And so yeah. it was an interesting time at, you know, it's only five. I didn't know any different really, but fast forward into high school at the age of 15, at this point in time, having gone back and forth a couple different times between folks, I ended up moving, lived with my dad. And I thought, you know what, I better get a job. You know, my dad delivered mail, rural route. My mom, uh, she was, you know, bartender, waitress. My mom and stepdad actually had, had bought a, a business and a bar restaurant. So I'd got to kind of see different mentalities, I guess we'll call it, between my, my, my dad and my stepdad. My dad, stepdad being like a business owner, he was an engineer. Um, so it's kind of like, it wasn't that my dad was, you know, the rich dad, poor dad like concept because we lived a very decent life in South Dakota. Like you sure. make 40 grand a year, you're good, yeah. right? It's not like- It's my middle class. It, you're not like wondering where your next meal is coming exactly. from, but you're also not eating at a steakhouse for it, dinner. Exactly. So- I never, we never really went without or anything like that, but I did feel at the age of 15, it's like, you know what, I better, I'm going to get a job and I should contribute. I can, why not? I don't have anything else to do. I was just literally drinking my life away, even at the age of, you know, 14, (laughs) 15, but I I took a job. Minimum wage at that time was $5 and 15 cents an hour. And again, I didn't know any different, but it was making pizza at a gas station. And I worked one eight hour shift and I did the math in my head and I thought, there's no way in hell I'm doing that again. <laughs> what, and, after one shift? In one shift, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I quit. What, was there was there anybody, like, to me, those jobs, like, the most depressing part about those jobs is looking at the other people that are working there. Like, because when you're 15, yeah. it's like, you're 15. Absolutely. Making $5 an hour is, you know, better than, like you said, doing nothing. Yep. But to me, like, when you go to some of those dead-end places, like, it's depressing when you look around and see someone that's in their forties or something like that. Yeah. Was there like, that to me is like the the scary part of it because it's like, Ooh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know that I don't want to end up doing this when I'm like 43 right. or 61 or whatever. Was there, was there any like horror stories from the first day or was it literally just like, I cannot justify this many hours for this amount of money. It was more so that, um, because I never, it's kind of one of those things when you're not really exposed to it, you don't know that you, there is any other option, right? Yeah. You don't know, right? And, and you don't know what you don't know. And so, but it was in my head when I did the math, I thought, man, even, and it wasn't like an arrogant way at all. It was more of like, I knew that my time was worth more than that. And what I actually, I got upset and it, it wasn't at, at anybody that, you know, the employer that put that value on my time. But what I got upset was about that, that I allowed that to happen. Like I, it was me within, mm. you know, it, it was an employee mindset it, versus like what I had seen even from my, my stepdad who, you know, he had owned his own business. He sold it. And we pretty much traveled all the time. We did kind of what we wanted. And so it was, it, I had that, that different understanding that of what could, what could life be like? Yeah. And, and back to what you said, man, like I looked around in, in the small community that I lived in and I was like, I don't want anything that these people have. Yeah. Like go to the bar and that's like what you do. And I was already, you know, I wasn't going to the bar, but like the bar, meaning like the only bar exactly. within 30 miles yeah. that everybody ends up at. Exactly. Yeah. Right across from After the their work boots and, are yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, and that, that's really what kind of st- stirred my, 
desire to like, what's, what else is out there? And thankfully my, uh, my aunt and uncle, my sister, they got, they were involved with a, a network marketing company called Herbalife. Mm-hmm. And um, what, whatever anybody thinks about MLMs, like that, that really truly shaped me uh, and, and it exposed me to a new way of thinking. Yeah. And, and it was like, so funny, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I know a lot of successful network marketers, but I know more people that are successful business owners yeah. that never were successful in network marketing, but got their start in it. Because like you said, it turned them on to the idea that there was, it was possible to go get more in life and that you didn't have to just accept that this is your lot, that yep. 40,000 a year is good for you. And if you can get to 60 before you retire, that's awesome. And like right. collect your pension, hit your social security, live in your one bedroom apartment, retire there. And that's good. You know what I mean? Yep. It, it teaches you that there's something else. And the best thing about it is probably the personal development aspect about the fact that they're Absolutely. always, you know, encouraging you to listen to Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and all yeah. these different, all these different people that a lot of people who made their money in network marketing, a lot of people don't know Jim Rohn made a lot of his money in network yeah. marketing before he did any other businesses and before he was famous public speaker, yep. you know what I mean? But even just, the, I mean, that was the beginning of my personal development was like a network marketing. Oh, who's Jim Rohn? Oh, let me listen to all this guy's stuff. Oh, this is actually super applicable across every aspect of life. Yep. It's about changing your mindset, not necessarily about like selling more protein packets or whatever. Yeah. So good, man. That's, and that's exactly right. Like I, I, I mean, I, I drank the Kool-Aid hard on it and it yeah. was every, every month I would drive five hours one way up to Minneapolis and I would attend what was called the success training seminar. And that's what the, you know, what the first half of it was, was just mindset. And it's yeah. like, it was, it was an incredible time in my life. Cause even then I had got exposed. I didn't know you could get like books on CD at the time. Right. And so it was driving five hours one way to listening to a, a lot of Jim Rohn and, and, you know, Augmandino and, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, just like the, yeah. the OGs right. of that. Brian Tracy like, and exactly. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And Zig and, 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 uh, and so that's what I would do five hours. I would, I was a sponge at that time. It's like, okay, I wanted, I want to, I know that if the fruit isn't here, I had to look for the fruit. <laughs> And it was like, who had the fruit in their life that I wanted? Mm. And that's just what I did. And sometimes I had to, you know, I had to work my way. I had to serve my way. You know, if I didn't have a seat at the table, it's like serve water at the table and, and whatever I could do to be in a room of somebody that had something that yeah. I wanted. Why do you think most people don't think that way? Because like you mentioned, like a town of a thousand people, everybody was kind of doing this one thing. Yeah. And like someone asked me that about, a different topic, but they're like, how come everyone around you saw this? And then you saw this one path that everybody else thought was really weird. Like, yeah. why do you think the majority of people don't get dissatisfied with kind of the status quo? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a great question because I really believe, I mean, we, for the most part, are the product of other people's habitual ways of thinking. And so if if my dad thought that way, my mom thought that way, their dad thought that way, and it's like, we just become, we're becoming a product of our environment. And we're, we go into default mode in which we we just choose to live a life by default. We're like, well, you know, must not be for me. And and it's it's more so they're not living with an intention or even have that nothing's been stirred up enough where they can do that or they've never heard it from somebody else that they can do that. Like the permission yeah. to do it. Exactly. Yeah. I think that was a big thing for me was like, no, I can do this. And it, it certainly wasn't, I wasn't getting that encouragement from, you know, the group that I was in. And I think that when you start to actually be around people that are like, actually, you can do this. And, and it's just like, it, it, it takes off the, the lid or just that, that threshold that was once there. Um, I mean, 
it's obviously referenced a lot, but you know, the whole four minute mile, Roger Bannister, it's like after he broke the four minute mile, like over the next two months, like 32 other people did it too, yeah. but never once had it been done. And it was somebody willing to, to blaze the trail yeah. that, you know, and that's just what, and not only like is. never had it been done, but it, there were, there were that like doctors telling people that it was physically yeah, possible, physically right? impossible to do it, you know? And then somebody did it and it was like, oh, I guess we're all wrong. And then all these other people were like, well, let's try it out. Right. You know, it's like, oh, it's, it is possible. Yeah. And then it shows you like, to me, like those early formative years are so important to have a couple of those types of experiences, which is why I'm so big on like, you know, youth sports or, or learning a musical instrument or like anything that allows you to see any evidence of improvement through work, discipline, dedication that other people aren't willing to put in. Anything that allows you to see that early on, I think reinforces the idea that it is possible for me to jump into something that maybe I don't have a ton of natural ability at, but if I work hard at it, I can make it happen. Yeah. I just have to change the, my mindset about it, first of all, and then have my actions follow that mindset and then remain consistent over a long period of time. And then all of a sudden you're up here and everybody else is playing down here. I yeah. didn't have that experience with athletics in high school. That was not my, uh, my high school. With sport. what? Oh, with athletics. Athletic career. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was not what happened. No matter how hard I work, I won't be the worst. On this team. Were you a math fleet though? No, uh, I wasn't good at math either. Yeah, so what were you good at? <laughs> <laughs> Making content. <laughs> that was it. But that's what you did yeah. though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But like, that's a really great point. It's like, maybe you didn't like math. You didn't like sports, yeah. but you liked video. And that opened the door for this exactly. thing. How can you be the thing. nerdiest kid at your private Christian school? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Dude, I think this is where I get really excited about this, even just what you guys are, are talking about, because why don't people think that way? And the real reason I think is because if you just look over the past 150 years, we're taught not to think mm. that way. This, right. I, I mean, the, the traditional school system, what we know of, it wasn't like this 150 years ago, right? Mm. And, and so now I, I, I just think it's so fascinating. We are taught to, to think like, and there's nothing wrong with being an employee. I want to preface that. Sure. We are taught to think like an employee. Like even the school system, it's like we show up at, what time school start? Okay, eight o'clock. When the bell rings, you sit down. When, when it rings again, you can stand up, you can have a bathroom break, right? Like we're, it, when the bell rings again, sit back down. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're, we're teaching people how to, how to go to school, get it, you know, go to college, then go $150,000 into debt to then become an employee to do the exact same thing. Yeah. And we're, it's, it's super interesting. I've gone down rabbit holes of this, of like, even like when we it, it probably our, our parents I mean, I remember when, when I was younger, I had a Lego set that like you get the Lego set. It's just a bunch of Legos, right? Like it wasn't nowadays, you can't even get like a bunch of Legos because we had to think, we had to think creatively, build the town, build whatever it was now. And, and it's, it's fascinating because when the traditional school system has, has been kind of was put in place, number one, during the industrial revolution, when they realized we have to we have to teach people how to become entrepreneur or excuse me, employees. Yeah. So let's set up a school system in that way. And I mean, I hate to say it, but indoctrinate them into, into that thought process and understanding. Yeah. And then in the 1980s, the Lego company itself was on the verge of bankruptcy. Like mm. it, nobody was buying Legos because children at that time, our, our folks were probably like, they didn't, like you get a bunch of Legos, like, right, what am I going to do with these? Right. And so they came out with the pirate ship. And it, that was like the first, you flip the page, do step one, 
Mm. Flip the page, do step two, because that's how they had been told what to do. Yeah. They needed to be told step by step what to do. And I just, that's just what I, what I think is so interesting on how we've been taught not to think creatively in yeah. the select few of us where it's like, no, we should be creative. Yeah, I don't teachers. think we're supposed to be employees, right? Yeah. Nothing mind with that understanding of that concept. We work for a wage or something like that, but it's, we all should still have an entrepreneur mindset. Like we yeah. should think creatively. Think creatively, right? It's, they teach divergent problem solving yeah. rather than convergent, yeah. right? It's like, it's black and white. It's right or wrong. It, if you don't do it this way, you're wrong. Yep. Whereas convergent is the way that life actually works where yeah. there, there's plenty of ways to solve the problem. There's plenty of things that you can create with this Lego set. And if you, you know, choose to do the pirate ship, then that's one way. If you choose to make that into something else, that's right. another way. If you choose to make it into something else, there's another way. And none of them mean that the other one is wrong or incorrect, unless the goal is obviously to build the pirate ship. Then you <laughs> sure. should build the pirate ship. But, right. but like, that's what the school system teaches you to do. And then not only does it teach you to do that, but like anytime you go outside of that context, it's met with punishment rather than encouragement. Yeah. And that that's the part that I have a problem with. It's like, if you understand that like 80% of people, you know, it, it's always going to be the case. The 80-20 rule will sure. always be the case, right? 80% of people do 20%, 20% produce 80%. Yes. That's always going to be that way. It's just, the, I think, the way people are wired. But when you punish the 20%, because they're not in the 80%, that's where I have a problem with it, where it's like, right. you, you can't, there's no, there's no room for error where it's like, oh, you don't think that way or your personality, you, you know, tends to make you this way. Like you have proclivities to, to these certain tasks or ways of thinking or modes of learning. Like, well, that makes you dumb. We got to put you in this dumb class now with all the dumb kids. So you all dumb kids can learn together at your own pace. So the smart kids can do, and it's like, well, it has nothing to do with dumb or smart or intellect or like, it has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with the fact that like the one method of learning that you're teaching is not the way that everybody naturally learns and becomes good at things. And so what do you do? You just like, you get into their psyche, which is what we're talking about this whole time about like your mindset is literally the number one difference between success and not having success is the way that you believe about your ability to go achieve it. So if you're told your whole life that you're dumb and you get put in these, you know, uh, uh, these other classes because you can't focus on, or you're, you're, you're too creative and you're not thinking the way the teacher wants you to think, you're getting put in these other classes and being labeled as like a bad student or a bad kid or somebody who has a learning disability, then what does that teach you to think about yourself for the rest of your life? Yeah. Unless you do some deep work to try to rewire your brain to think a different way, you're just going to go into your 20s and into adulthood accepting the $30,000 a year salary because you're like, this is all I'm capable of yep. because I'm just not, I'm just not, you know, that kid, I'm, I'm not the, the straight A's kid. I'm not going to get into a good school. Like I'm doomed to $40,000 a year because that's all I'm capable of. And it's like that mindset is so poisonous. And so like just prolifically almost evil to me to yeah. take a kid who's got nothing but just potential and then wiring their brain to believe that they don't have it. Right. It's so, so horrible to watch. Well, that's yeah. what I talk about all the time is like, you know, I was the kid with the cameras, so like I was doing con content. I didn't yeah. know what it was, but I was like running around doing that. And then it's like, oh, but you have a D in geometry. It's sure. like, you know, it's like, yeah. so you suck at that. It's like, <clears throat> right. But you'll make more this year than exactly any other kids in your class. Then probably you know? a lot of the geometry teachers combined. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. the school, so yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's a uh, Vanderbilt. I think it was Vanderbilt did a study actually on this of they did you know, those that, that went through college that basically had straight A's, you know, through high school, through college, 
then they followed up with them after like the, you know, 10 years later, I think it was. And it was interesting that um, this was like the, the base of the study is they found that the, the straight A students worked for the CB students who were like managers that worked for the DNF students that were actually owned mm-hmm. the company. Yeah. And it, it's so fascinating. So point is, if you guys have kiddos that are listening to this, that are like struggling, like that's actually great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it just means that you might have to do a little bit more work as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you just got to work yeah. to figure it out what it is that they want to do and what they can exactly. be good at because it's not a black and white, like, oh man, they're struggling in school. We're going to have to support them into their thirties. It's like, right. only if you tell them that. It, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, man. or find a different path that allows them to express themselves fully that makes them want to give. Cause like, I always identified as like a non-reader. I was like my whole life. I was like, I hate reading. Don't, don't buy. like people would buy me books and I would just kind of almost laugh. Like, <laughs> thank you. I can put this on my bookshelf and never touch it again. Right. You know what I mean? I don't even um, own a book, let alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, but then like I got into my early twenties and started wanting to like really improve in business. And then I was all of a sudden like, oh, 20, 30, 40 books a year. You know what I mean? It's just, but none of the books that I read before had, I just had zero interest in them. Right. Like I actually I, I always got A's in school, but the one B that kept coming up all the time was in freaking literature. Cause I hated it. I'd like that these poems and stories don't make any sense to me. I don't have any comprehension when I'm reading them because like I can focus and get the task done, but I'm not remembering anything because my mind is thinking about something else that I actually give a shit about, right. you know right. what I mean? And then, and then, but you then label yourself as like, oh, I'm a bad reader. I'm not a good reader. I don't read. I'm not, I'm not a reader. And then like your identity prevents you from becoming the next version of yourself because you've told yourself this story for so long that that's not who you are. So figure out a different way to do it, you well, know? We should get back to your story, but now we're in the rabbit hole. So I got to ask. Dude, so yeah. you're a parent and like, this is something like I have a four-year-old. So like, I'm already oh, yeah. stressed about like, we yeah. started about kindergarten and all that. We talk about this all the time. Like, what does education look like for our kids? Because obviously we see how it kind of failed us in a lot of ways. Like for you with your kids, like what does education look like? Are you telling them like, don't worry about your, you know, <laughs> don't worry about your school. It's not yeah. that big a deal. Or are you pushing them to do it, but teaching them like, it's not the be all end all. Like, how do you approach that conversation with them? Cause you obviously don't want your kids to not be able to read, you know? Right. So like, what's you the don't, balance You don't want there? them to get used yeah. to like giving up on something just cause it's right. hard. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. A great question, man. Because so Ellie, she's 10 now. And actually even two years ago, right when all the chaos in society was going, going on, um, that's just like, it was a moment in my life of when I, I looked down on her to add her and was like, I cannot leave this earth the way it is. Like mm. the, the world is a freak, at least here in America, <laughs> like yeah. as, as great as we have it, it, we still complain about a lot of things. Right. And it, so I was just like, man, the corruption, like there's so much just going on. I was like, what, I need to do something about this. But then I immediately was like, who am I? What can I do? Right. But immediately just that voice, call it God in the back of my head. It was like, if not you, and who, and that's when I just felt like this real, real, like prompting desire to do something within the you know youth and, and entrepreneurship. Yeah, I don't even know if you guys know this, so this is a great transition, Eric. There you go. Um, and so I, I bought like literally every youth like entrepreneurship kids programs that I, I own. If you name it, I own it. And and I was like, what is out there? What what's available? There's some good ones and some terrible ones. And I was just like, this is interesting. 
Um, and, and it wasn't even that I was dissatisfied with Ellie's school s- system because we had her in a private Christian school. It was, you know, great, actually. I mean, I was, I was pleased with it. They weren't, you know, haven't been teaching critical race theory or different things like that. But this last year, we decided to homeschool her. And you know, kind of against, she, she was open to it, but it, she was kind of like, okay, we'll just try it this one year and see how it goes. And so Ash has really been homeschooling Ellie for the, the past year. And it's, it's been interesting, but it's been really, really good. It's been incredible to see, just even as a parent, just to see like what she's more into. And so often we just tend to just ship our kids off to somebody else and expect them to yeah. do the job. You outsource exactly. the entire, yeah. Right, even as an entrepreneur, we're like, we think that way. Like, right. well, right. I can outsource there because then I can go make more money here, right? But, but I really believe if you're a parent and you you have the time, you birth kids into this earth, you should take that very seriously. It's like, take, if you can homeschool, I would definitely suggest it. That being said, we homeschooled for this entire last year. And, and now Ellie is 10. We have decided to actually put her back into her, the Christian school again. And it, it wasn't that homeschool didn't work for us. It worked phenomenal for us, but Ellie really just wants to be with her friends, which yeah. I could, I was, cause I was always like the homeschool kids are freaking weirdos, yeah. right? Like those freaks. Um, yeah. So I never, I never thought I would ever do that. And then it's like, yeah. I was like, well, we've got to do it. And, and now we've experienced it. And it, I think it's, I think if you can, you should, but yeah. there's obviously a, one criteria doesn't make the decision for anybody. So sure. do what's right for you and your family. Yeah. But the point is, is whether they go to, you know, to a classroom or they're doing it in your home, I think there's a responsibility that we have as parents to be involved, make sure we know what they're actually learning, but also then what else we know that the school system isn't necessarily designed to teach them things of entrepreneurship or to think creatively. So what are you doing with them in your own time, right? Can you do things? And that's really where we have, we're, we're formulating and, and structuring what we're calling the King's Academy which is our youth kind of entrepreneurship, leadership development. And mm. so when I say entrepreneurship, I don't necessarily mean like they run a business. I just, I, th- I think an entrepreneurship, if you look at the, the root word of it, the French word is like entreprendre, which literally means to undertake. That's what it means. So it's mm. not like you run a fortune 500 company. It's just that you undertake the task at hand and you have the leadership skills and the mindset yeah. to be able to do so. And so um, as we roll that out uh, over this, you know, the, probably within the next few months, we'll be, you know, introducing that. It really is just kind of a, a di- in addition to what they're already doing, whether nice. it's traditional school or homeschool. Mm-hmm. And it's more of just a, a way to get them to think differently yeah. and creatively. I think honestly, I mean, even if they don't become entrepreneurs, if you look at director level and C-suite type people, they're all people that think entrepreneurially. Yeah. Like they have to, exactly. like as an entrepreneur, as a founder, those are the types of people that you're looking for most, especially for leadership roles. Maybe not for, you know, lower level, entry level type uh, roles within the company. Like you need some people that are just, you know, here's what to do, do that thing. But for a lot of the people that are higher ups in the organization, like they have to be able to do exactly that. It's not, it, but that's, that's the whole thing that we're talking about is like, do what's best for how that 
person yeah. needs to learn and navigate the world yeah. instead of just like do it this way. And if you don't do it this way, you're dumb right. and wrong and you're going to end up, you know, selling your last pair of shoes for some meth on the street. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. If you judge a, a fish based upon how it climbs a tree, right. Yeah, it's like, right. Of course we're each individual is different and, and what they're, but I think the big thing for, for kiddos too, is like, what do they, what do they like to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And I, we have a responsibility to pull that out of them and, and guide them. It's not like, Hey, pick your gender. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> what do you like to do? And, and now let's, let me put them in like with Ellie, yeah. Dude, I wanted her to play sports. Like, can we do something with the ball? Like, I'm yeah. like, please. Yeah. And she's out there running around chasing butterflies on the soccer field. And I'm yeah. like, okay, so right. what is she maybe like this isn't do? it. Yeah. That was my experience. Yeah. Chasing <laughs> butterflies on the soccer field. Yeah. That's I'm like, Eric, how do I parent this child? Give her a video uh, camera. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now she's she's super into swimming and now she's um, no, no. she takes singing lessons. It's like, I don't, I hate swimming. And I'm not a, I'm a terrible singer. I never would have thought that, but that's what she loves to do. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna put her in the best position to to draw that greatness out of her. Yeah. And sure. no matter what we do, I mean, really, as a, as a family, we've we've developed our, our core values as a family, and and the biggest thing, one of the main ones, is excellence. Mm-hmm. And not excellence like I have to succeed. I don't have to get straight A's, but I have to do my best ability. No matter if it's learning math or learning literature you're going to do everything to in excellence. And that's, that's a, a value that, that we really hone in on and, and instruct Ellie to do like whatever. I don't care if it was a poor grade, that's fine. We're going to just get better and better and better as long as yeah. we come to it with that type of attitude. It's the Carol Dweck mindset thing with the growth mindset or the fixed mindset. Yeah. It's embracing the thought that you have the ability to improve something. And yeah. it's remarkable how many people don't have that. It's just like, oh, well, I'm not good at that. It's like, well, have you ever tried to improve at right. that? You know, it's like, oh, I, just, I gave it a shot. It's like, what does that mean? Right. Like you like you thought about it for five or 10 minutes and then it didn't click. So you decided math is not your thing. Yep. You know, like you might take you a little bit more work. You maybe not have that much natural ability in it, but it doesn't mean you can't improve it. Are right. you going to become Einstein? Probably not. But can you become competent? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like that, I think that's just so important because at, I think society puts so much pressure on young people to know exactly what they're going to do for the rest of their life by the time they're like freaking 16 years old, you know? And so like, so that's why, that's why in that system, it's okay to say no to all these things. It's like, oh, well, I suck at that. I suck at that. I suck at that. I suck suck at that. It's like, life isn't about figuring out what you want to do at 16. It's about figuring out how to continue to figure things out which is like the entire premise of this show, which is right. like, we're all still figuring stuff out. Yeah. Like, have I, have I figured out some things? It's like, I, I think that, I think I've figured out more than, you know, I would have given myself credit for a, t- a decade ago, but it's all, it's a constant process. And I think that school makes you think that when you get the diploma, you've finished, right? Like you're done. And now you can go throughout the rest of your life without having to continuously learn, improve, struggle, grow, get out of your comfort zone, do things like, you know, parents push their kids to do their homework and read and do things out of their comfort zone. But then it's like, when was the last time you did that? Like, are you showing your kid that this is what they should be doing because you're doing it as well? Right. You know, when was the last time you did something uncomfortable? You're making your kid get out there in, you know, whatever, a soccer jersey, even if they don't want to do it just because you got to try new things. And it's like, but you haven't tried new things in 15 years, right? you know, like what, what happened to that? Yeah. Why, why aren't we doing that anymore? Yeah. Why, why is it just okay for adults to just like, 
oh, I haven't read a book since I graduated college or high school. You know, why is it okay to do that? And then tell our kids that they shouldn't be doing that. You know, it's like almost almost this like height of hypocrisy in parenthood. It is. And kids see right through that. Right. I mean, I grew up hearing, do as I say, not as I do. And I remember thinking like, whatever. Yeah. You're you're full of crap. Right. Right? Well, and it it subconsciously makes you distrust your parents too. Like, even if it's, like I said, not conscious, if you're, if you're, if you're not sitting there thinking, thinking like, oh, I don't, I don't trust my parents because they're not doing what they told me to do. It's a subconscious thing that like is a seed that grows over time. And the more that you see it happening, the more you're like, well, this isn't fair. Like you keep telling me I got to do this, but you're not doing any of it. You know, it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. So of course I'm not going to trust your advice next time you try to sit down with me and give it to me because I'm not here to hear it because the other stuff you're telling me you don't even do. So how can I take that and apply it in my life when you're not doing any of those things. Right. It's like really difficult to navigate as a kid. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, like you talked about like, what do you like to do? And I think like something that comes up a lot, <clears throat> at least for me, was like, it was always like, you have these things you like to do. That'll be a cool hobby. What are you going to do for a living? Yeah. You know? And like the yeah. idea that you can make money doing what you like to do was foreign. So like you kind of transitioned into like, you know, you started in kind of the network marketing world when's the first time you felt like you slipped into gear of like, okay, this is what I like to do. Like when was the first time you felt like you started monetizing like your actual passions and, or even realize what those passions were? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. I think as an entrepreneur, I have done, so I've done a lot of things. I, I would, I, I love to sell things. Okay. I love to, I love the psychology of like getting, to, getting to know people, understanding you know, why people think the way they think. I mean, kind of even just what we're talking about. Why do, why do you have that mindset and, you know, breaking down those barriers for them. But also <clears throat> I've realized that you can be successful at a lot of things and still feel like a failure. Mm. And what I mean by that is it, it part of like, I don't even, I still, it's, you know, what are we going to do when we grow up? I, I still think that like, at some, what am I going to do with my life? Where from a lot of people will think and it's like, geez, you've done so many different things. And it's like, I actually was sharing with my wife the other day. I'm like, I feel like we've lived like 13 different lives already. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like just think about yeah. your life right now. It's like our partying phase or, you know what I mean? Just like yeah. all the different probably times in our life of it's, it's just crazy. So, and I really think it is each one of those was a, a stepping stone a learning experience. Um, and back to that growth mindset, like I knew I was, whatever I was doing, I knew that I was just going to continue to get better and better and better. And I'm a firm, firm believer that as an entrepreneur, following your passion isn't necessarily the best monetary thing for you to do, right? Because sometimes your, your passion, because you'll hear that, just follow your passion, you'll never work a day in your life, right? But you might be broke freaking living under the bridge. You're going to be passionate then. But I've lived kind of with this understanding that I'm going to follow opportunities as a head on a swivel, like what's going on in the marketplace, what's uh, what, identifying a need and can I get somebody to want that need? Yeah. And, and I'm going to bring my passion with me, whatever that is. And that's yeah. why I think I've, I mean, I've done from network marketing to physical fitness training. I bought a gym. I realized that was incredibly stupid, um, <laughs> but it was a great learning experience, right? Like I, it was my first brick and mortar business at I was 23. Prior to that, I sold business valuations I sold siding and windows, insurance, bathtubs. And it was like, everyone was just like opportunities. 
but I knew if I, if I was going to bring my passion with me, I could, that's one thing that I can control was my attitude and, and how I'm going to, how I'm going to approach anything. And, and partly why I kept going to the next thing, to the next thing, the next thing was really this understanding that I can make more money by selling a higher ticket item. Yeah. Like it went from like vitamins working 17, 18 hours a day, which was fine, but it was like, okay, I don't want to do that. So let me sell now something else, the siding of windows. Okay. I can sell a $30,000 window package and make three grand. Okay. How many can I do that in a week? Now it's like bathroom remodels, maybe a little bit more kitchen models, a little bit more. And so it was just kept going to the next opportunity, the next opportunity and full well knowing though, like if you're in sales, I love the idea that even back into the first network marketing days, it's like, they'll pitch you that, you know, it's, you can earn what you're worth. You get, you know, what is it? 1% of hundred people's efforts versus hundred percent of your own. Like I, I like yeah. that, but then I realized sometimes it's hard to motivate people to freaking work like you. Right. 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 And, and people, if you know, life would be really easy if people weren't involved. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we can only control ourselves and, and, you know, living, living that out, hopefully our greatness is, is either going to encourage others or make them jealous. Right. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I want to, I want to be able to inspire them to want to do more. And that's just really how, how I approached uh, different opportunities that, that came my way, but back to like the chasing, okay, more money for this, more money for this. I still realized that my earning was capped. It absolutely mm -hmm. was based upon the amount of time in a day. I couldn't, I mean, yes, I could sell higher ticket items. I could even manage a sales team, but they're limited even on the amount of time in a day. Right. And so it was more about how can I leverage things that, that really opened up my eyes to start what our, our seminar company. And that's really what, what really was the first company that, you know, it made two, 300 grand a year in sales prior to that. But that was like our first, okay, seven figures within the first six months of that, that, that allowed it to, to grow. And the thing is, is that I would never have learned that if I just wasn't continually taking those action steps. Action brings clarity and no matter what it is, yeah. it, it, even if it's like, I realized it was the wrong action, at least you figured it out. There's clarity. Right. Now I can make pivot, make an adjustment. And, and those that sit on the fence never do anything, right? It's like, just pick a side, pick a side. And if you found out it was the wrong side that you chose, then hop on the other side. At least you found out quicker. How do you navigate the, because you said earlier on, you're a people pleaser. And like, I relate to that. And that's one of the reasons that I hated sales when I tried sales was like, I hated talking about my, I hated the idea that they're going to be upset sure. or that I'm going to get rejected or that. And then you also mentioned just now, like the idea that when you are successful or start seeing success, the people in your life either get inspired or they start getting jealous. And like, I feel like I've seen a lot more on the jealous side, yeah. you know, either watching other people or even in my life, which like, as I'm starting to get ahead of some of the other people, like they look and go like, you know, they, you can just tell, like, there's like this weird thing of like, yeah. they, there's some kind of disdain towards you. Like, how do you keep moving forward and not let that be a barrier to you? Like continuing to pursue success. Like, even though that there's that weight of like, Oh, there's certain people that I am just not going to be in their circle anymore. They're not yeah. going to want to be around anymore. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is that you've got to be okay with that. Um, and it is, it is at the end of the day, we can only control us. And as it, as I was leveling up, call it, or looking to go into to different circles, anytime back to anytime that I, I wanted something 
in another person's life that that inspired me. I, I wanted to figure out how they did it, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not that smart. I'm not. I'm not here to like invent something new. Success leaves clues, right? Like, and that I, that's just what I wanted to to go learn how they did it. And unfortunately, that trying to motivate somebody doesn't work, right? It's it's going to a Tony Robbins seminars proof of that, right? He does a great job for the three days at Unleash the Power Within, right? But people leave the the freaking parking lot, somebody cuts them off and they're like, what the f-? Like, yeah, oh, okay, right. that didn't work, right. right? And then they blame the program versus them actually not taking it on themselves yeah. to actually make the change. So I realized going into, you know, consulting and then coaching, I realized that my goal is, is to truly inspire somebody because motivation is like an, an external desire that they're going, it's like why somebody shows up for a paycheck. They're motivated for something external to, to please them inspiration, the root word of that is in spirit. Like it is something that is internally, they've got so fed up with what they're doing that they're now inspired to do something despite of what you think or what feel. And this is why, you know, we've got to the point where it's, we're inspired. So I don't, yes. Do I take it personally when people talk crap about me? Sure. Right. But I've I've realized that I'm not going to let that person's mindset dictate the direction of my life. And, and that's been, it has been a, a definite learning experience going through those different stages yeah. in life. And, and back to, I don't think that, you know, leveling up or going into another sphere of friends or influence is not that I have to completely neglect mm-hmm. them or not be, you know, I want to, I want to have an arm up and an arm down. Like, let's go. Yeah. We're going, like, we're going South Dakota. Drinking. We're yeah, going right? to go, let's we're go. Gonna move out. Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> um, but it is, they've got to want it for themselves. All I can do is, is lead by yeah. example, even for back to our kiddos, just lead by example and do your part. But at the end of the day, they still have to make the decision. They have yeah. to live their life. And that can be hard as a parent, but it, it is just, the, it's a reality of the situation. You <clears throat> can't make somebody do anything they don't want to do. Yeah. So zoom out on the timeline then, uh, kind of getting back into your story. So uh, doing network marketing, start selling stuff, no college, correct? I went for two years. Two years, okay. Exercise science. But you were, but were you were working during college though? Yeah. Selling yeah. stuff. Yep, exactly. Okay. So how old are you now? Uh, 36. 36. So in the last now, I guess 20 years, you've been working since you were 16 or 15. What's crazy the, to think about, by the way. Yeah. That you've been working longer than you haven't been working. Yeah. 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 Oh. Um, uh, so, so now just so people understand a little bit of context here, what's like top line do you think you've sold in the last 20 years in everything that you've done? Oh, snap. The last 20 years, I can tell you in the last decade, when we've experienced the, the most growth with our seminar company, like those companies, we've, we're over 150 million just in like the dinner seminars, dinner seminars and the companies that you've launched yeah. through dinner seminars. Correct. That yeah. we've personally launched. So not any companies that you work with. with. Yeah. yeah. But so then prior to that, dude, I, I'm, I mean, I was selling a couple million a year for, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, coming up on 200 million, yeah. maybe over 200 million. I never yeah. thought about that. Yeah. yeah. When are you going to really start going at right? it? Yeah. <laughs> that be? <laughs> when do you plan on really being successful? <laughs> so you've touched on so many things during that time and selling has really been mm. the cornerstone skill set. Yeah. Ultimately for you. Yeah. Right. Somebody's listening. There may be like Eric that are just like, ah, I'm not a salesperson. I, I don't like selling. 
what is maybe a couple of things that you would encourage them to think about yeah. when it comes to sales? Yeah, back to the the only thing you can really truly control is, is your, yourself. So if there's anything, no matter what business you're in, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're you do IT, you you code for a living. Like if there's anything that a skill set that anybody should learn, it's communication. Yeah. How to effectively communicate. And understanding that that is communication is is really truly selling. Okay. Like I, people that say, well, I'm not in sales, I'm not a salesman. Yeah. If you have had any sort of relationship at all, if you if you're married, you're a freaking salesman. Right. 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 Like you've sold at least your wife on something. Yeah. If you hooked up with somebody, you've sold them. Right. right. I mean, if you, if you're a parent, you're selling your child on why they should make their bed in the morning. Right. If we just understand that, that and even going, I love root words. So go back to the root word of the Norwegian root of sales is, is selje, S-E-L-J-E. And it literally means to serve. So if, mm. if we go back to like the root and understand and, and own that, and that's our conviction, I'm here to serve you. Like I, I'm, but my wife, I'm selling her every day of why she shouldn't leave me. Right. Yeah. Like that's that if, and it's, it's because I want to serve her. I, I want her to you know live out her dreams. And so, yeah. and, and that's why I'd written a book called intentional influence, which is like, just, it's really pe- people call it a sales book, but it's more about how to communicate effectively. Yeah how to build rapport, how to, uh, not, a, not just even how to communicate. Like we think of that's just us talking, but how to receive right. and, and make somebody feel validated and heard because at the end of the day, that's what, I mean, most of the time when I'm selling something, that's all it is. They're yeah. talking to me. That's kind of the big concept for me is that people tend to put sales in a bucket, mm-hmm. you know, and especially people in my life. Cause I started in door to door, which is like, an extreme version yeah. of, of selling, you know? Yeah. And so like when I would talk to, or I would try to recruit my friends and they would come in and they're like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not a salesperson. It's like, well, there's a lot of different sales jobs out there. Mm-hmm. And most of them are easier than going out and knocking on doors, cold turkey, 100% commission. Like yeah. there's a lot of other ways to make money doing this. The mistake is putting the term sales in a bucket and assuming that it's only for like the used car salesman personality of somebody who's willing to get over on somebody else for the sake of a sales mm-hmm. commission yep. and is like actively trying to screw people over to increase their margin and make more money. When I look at like, you look at a used car salesman, it's like, what are they going to make this year? 150 grand? Yeah, maybe. You know, yeah. maybe yeah. like best ones are maybe at a quarter million. I'm not talking, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about people who own the lots. I'm talking about the best salesperson on the lot. The best salespeople that I know are making 50, 60, 70 grand a month just in sales and they're not selling crappy cars and convincing people that they're not crappy cars. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like the best salespeople I know are founders and entrepreneurs who are making tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars a year there. And they're selling ideas and concepts to people that are based on the core idea that you have a problem and I built a solution for that problem. And here is why you should pay me money in exchange for me solving this problem for you. And like, if you can wrap your mind around the fact that it, like, in order to be a salesperson, you don't have to be a telemarketer, a door to door sales guy, or a, you know, used car salesman. You can just find somebody who has a problem, find a solution for that problem, and offer the solution to that problem to that person. By the way, the more starving that person is for that solution, and the more that offer fits within the realm of what they can achieve and within the realm of what they can afford, 
the easier it is to sell that person. That right. like you don't even have to be a good salesperson right. if you have a strong offer and a market to sell to. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just like that the word gets so much hate from people because they've experienced the used car salesman. But there's been so many other things they've been sold on without realizing they've been sold on it. And that is like true selling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's, it's like, it's not selling, it's them buying. I'm not convincing you to purchase something from me. I'm just, I'm just educating you around the problem that exists and offering a solution to that problem that happens to be affordable for you. Otherwise, what's money for other than to exchange it for things that solve our problems? Right. A bunch of money in a bank account, if you can't spend it, is literally useless. Yeah. It could be a billion dollars sitting in a bank account. If you're not allowed to spend it or take loans against it or actually put it to work, it's completely useless. It's only valuable for what you can exchange it for. And what do people exchange it for? Solving problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like a, it's like this, this, this just weird thing that people have because they've experienced something negative from somebody who wasn't a good, you know, salesperson. When really it's just about learning how to how to provide people, you know, have, provide value to people. And and to your point, it all fits. Uh, it all fits within the realm of communication. Yeah. So if you can learn communication, all of the core skill sets that pay you the best out of anything in life have to do with communication. You know what I mean? Like that something I picked up from Jim Rohn early on was like uh, uh, motivating an entire group of people toward one cause. He's like, it's like herding cats. Yep. He's like, but if you can learn how to do that effectively, paychecks that you cannot imagine that, that that's, you know, what he, what he used to say. Yep. And it, that's, that is just true. The most effective communicators are the best leaders. They're the best networkers. They're the most well-connected people, which is insanely valuable. Um, they know how to sell. They know how to influence. They know how to bring ideas to a group of people and convince them to inspire them, to motivate them, to take action. Like the, the, the highest paid people in the world are the best communicators that there are. And so stop conflating this idea of selling with like this idea of snake oil. Is yeah. They're not the same thing. And if you are that person, again, you're probably making 120 grand a year. Right. Like you're not even making that much money. You think you are, but you're not because you're screwing people over for a living and that's right. never going to pay long-term. Absolutely. Before we wrap up then, let's, let's chat a little bit about, about King's Council, what you guys are working on right now mm -hmm. um, with, uh, with some of the religious or spiritual side of things wrapped into uh, yeah. the business coaching that you offer. So obviously, I think you know our background a little bit. Uh, we both grew up in a pretty uh, tight-knit, uh, culty type religious atmosphere yeah. uh, called Independent Fundamental Baptist, and we've both kind of moved away from that world. Let's just start with something kind of basic here. What, what makes you or what makes you continue to believe everything that you believe about Christianity, about God? Yeah. Let's start with something basic. Seriously. <laughs> here you go. Take this. Right? I love this. Okay. Well, I, back to the, I had mentioned earlier, like, hey, I felt like I could be, I was successful at a lot of things and still from the outside looking in, people would think like, man, it must be nice, right? You know, th mm -hmm. that's their mindset must be nice. And, and I still felt like, this is, it. is this it? Like, it, and that's I th why I really believe it was like, I started the next company, the next company, the next thing. Cause I kept chasing. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs, we tend to have like that shiny objects, like, oh, squirrel, like, totally. let's do this. Yeah. We're going streaking, right? And it's like, <laughs> we're, we're running after like, what's the next thing? And I was, I never had that feeling of, of contentment. No, I, I think there's a, a strong, um, it's a good thing to be dissatisfied, but it can be, I mean, a healthy dissatisfaction sure. and whatever that is. And, and I still have that dissatisfaction with a lot of things in my life but I've never been more content with my life than, than right now. And it all really started a few years ago of just literally sitting on my couch and just thinking like, 
is this it? Because I actually, I, I when you grow up in South Dakota, everybody's a Christian, mm-hmm. right? It's just kind of like, yeah, what's where we, where's the party at? You know? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so through just kind of transitioning in up to Minnesota, and when I was actually going up to uh, all those success training seminars, I started getting just exposed to the difference between religion and relationship. And I was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Like I'd, I'd never really understood it. And I'd actually um, started to go to this tiny little church. Uh, it was called Cornerstone New Testament and started just to witness some like crazy things going on. I'm like, this, there's like a God out there that I can actually communicate with and, 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 and f- like have a relationship with. And, and that was my first understanding of that. And so at the age of 16, August, uh, and right before I just, I, I know it was August because I, that's when my birthday is, I turned 16, I'd given my life to Christ. And, and this, I think is just really the, the huge testament back to the circle or the friends that you're, you're with, because I was in Minnesota. I'd lived there for like six weeks after, you know, 15, I'm partying. I cheated on my girlfriend. I like, I was like, I knew the path that I was heading down was not going to be good. So I, I moved up to Minnesota to live with my sister for six weeks prior to my junior year of high school. And uh, it came to the decision of like, do I want to go back there? Or should I just go to school here in, in Minnesota? And I ended up going back. And when you go up, I mean, literally there's like 40 kids in my class. Like, so when I went back and I'm now, I'm, I, I go from being the dude, like, let's go have some beers before school to like, no joke to, to like, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to be at the party tonight. Yeah. And so I literally had like no friends, like no friends for mm. my entire junior year. And then I lived, moved up to Minnesota to uh, again, just be in that type of environment for three months, which was great. Contemplated going back to South Dakota or not for my senior year. But it's like when you're in that small of a town, you could still be like, barely five, eight and be the starting quarterback. Right? So, <laughs> so that's what I was like, I, I can't not, it's my senior year, yeah, yeah. you know, um, my girlfriend at the time too. So it was just such, such a strange time, but literally the day I graduated high school, I moved back up to, to be around the people that had the fruit in their life that, that I wanted again. And that was why I went to that, um, small little community college where some of the greatest relationships in my life were there with some incredible bros that had like, and it, it wasn't about a religion at all. It was just like they had true relationships with their creator. And I was, it was just being around that, that was inspiring, not motivating, but like actually inspiring. But through my, you know, call it financial success, money's a great magnifier. It makes us more of who we already are, yeah. in my opinion. And so as I learned, as I started to make a decent amount of money in my life, I started to put myself in circles that, were, you know, more influential on me than what I should have been on them. And, you know, I was flying to Vegas, bottle service, right? Doing anything and everything just to, to find the fulfillment again. And it was, and back to, you know, living that type of lifestyle for a number of years, went through a divorce and, and, you know, met Ashley kind of in that type of lifestyle to her and I just sitting on the couch a few years ago. It's like, is this really life? Is this what we're called to do is this, I mean, do we just live this way? And then, mm. and, and that's it. And I, I, I started to, and even at that time being a part of masterminds and it's like, yeah, we can go crush business. And, and I know I have a, a skill set to do that, but it's like, for what, like to go rip rails and, and like, I don't, it's not, 
it just was not something that I had any desire to do. And, and that's when I, I was looking around of just like, and, and even consulting people and helping them make money and then realize I was leading them down the path that I went down. It's like, I know, mm. I'm not, I have no desire to help people make money to ruin their marriages. Yeah, and, yeah. and so it was like, I, when I looked across the landscape and realized there wasn't like a community of, of believers, of, of Christians that, that was like truly still rooted and in, in not like, you know, prosperity gospel type stuff of yeah. like, think it and manifest it. And, <clears throat> and, but it was like, no, there's, there's, there's truth here. And can we actually have the permission to still go crush business, make money, create wealth, which I believe, you know, we, if we have that gifting, that ability, we should go create it. Um, and what we really coach on for the most part is yes, we'll help people create wealth and, and money, but we'll, we'd love to just talk about kingdom money principles and, and actually how to put money to use, uh, you know, with, with what we're creating and how to steward that appropriately. And so, so that's like what the transition into the King's council, which is our coaching community. And it really is just a community nationwide, really worldwide. We've had people <laughs> that, that log into our calls that is, that are just have that desire to, to do the same. And they may not even feel served in the church right now yeah. because I think the American church is it's a lot of work to do there. Yeah. And, and that's really yeah. been heavy on, on, on our heart as with the leadership team of King's council. It's like, how do we best come alongside and, you know, make church really, truly what I see is in the Bible versus the platform that they have now. Totally. It's like, this is like an entertainment and, and like, and especially with, you know, all the scandals and different things yeah. like that. And, and it's like, it, it's, it cover shouldn't ups. be that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's not what, but again, man's involved. Is there cover Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. But man's involved. Anytime man's involved, there's going to be a bunch of crap. Yeah. Do you, right. Do you think, cause one of the things for, that we've talked about, I've said for me is like one of the interesting things is like, I grew up my parent, my dad until like literally this month has been on staff at like a church and stuff. So like I grew up, in the womb, like in church. Yeah. And like, one of the things that's interesting is like, I was not around anybody entrepreneurial at all. Like really, I think to Dan, but like meeting you, like actually working at it. And it was like, one of the things that was weird for me was like, I saw like a Tony Robbins and I was like, Oh, this is church. Like, this is just church, but not yeah. like, they just don't talk about Jesus, but it's like, it feels totally. very similar. Cultish. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like, we're going to say something, we have a higher purpose and we're going to go fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Like, do you look at something within Christianity that separates it from like, hey, inside of us, if we believe this, kind of like a workout plan, right? Like if I do this consistently and believe it and do it, it's going to have radical positive impact on my life. Like, what do you see differently? Like when you separate, like say relationship versus religion, like what do you see as the separator there? Like in a, in a practical kind of functional way in your life? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the, the creative ability that we have, the power that we've been given. I mean, we are created in God's image. So we have incredible power to certainly think our way into situations. Like, I mean, I, I fully believe that. And so, I mean, and then I think that's why, because of that, why a lot of cults and, and followings take place. Even, you know, Tony Robbins has a huge following. Uh, and for the most part, it's for good. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like he's helping people break through barriers yeah. and, you know, walk across coals or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like 
<clears throat> he's, he's absolutely helping that. So I think the biggest, absolute biggest difference is whatever re- religion it's going to be, if it's, you know, Allah, uh, it, you know, God or the universe. I mean, at the core, Christianity is is the power that comes along with a triune God, the Father, the Son, and ultimately the Holy Spirit. And that was what radically has has changed my life. And and knowing, uh, you know, it would, certainly the if we go back to creation and the fall of man, um, and then which has led just to the turmoil that we all are a part of right now. It's just like it's we needed a, a savior. We needed somebody to truly come back and, and redeem us f- for that. And, you know, as he went to the cross for us and then ultimately was, was risen and then clearly said, I'm going to go to the father, but I'm going to be, I'm going to send you that helper. And, and that helper is the Holy spirit. You know, th- that truly is, is a different differentiating factor between Christianity and Islam. Yeah. Right. Uh, or any other religion that certainly there's, there's God, right? Like they're, they're all usually all calling upon a God, but God is Jesus. And, and that's just where that relationship is, actually comes into play. So it's more based on like within, within the context of a relationship, there are, there's more freedom and flexibility, I think. And in the context of religion, it doesn't allow for that at all. Sure. I think I feel like that, that's just like a, a really, a really big one is yeah, and, the difference and, between like, oh, you had a drink of like alcohol at the event. Like, well, now you're living in sin. You're openly living in sin because you had alcohol at the event. You. So like, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Feel the guilt, feel the shame. Peer pressure. Wake more up, than wake up feeling sure. like you want to, you know, almost kill yourself because of the guilt is so overwhelming. Whereas yeah. the relationship is like, it just allows for like any, in any relationship, it allows for like more flexibility and freedom. And because there's understanding and there's empathy with people and with a rule, there's not any of that. Yeah. I mean, if you back to the, the, the 10 commandments, the law given by God that, I mean, it's impossible for us to, to follow all commandments, like Mm -hmm. literally impossible for us to, to follow those. And so when Christ went to the cross to redeem us for that. It wasn't that that law went away, but it was that he, he fulfilled the law and it now gives us the grace. And, you know, once we truly receive him and, and, and have actively, you know, the, this, his spirit within us, it gives us the, the conviction, call it, where it's just the desire where, you know, I don't, I didn't really want those things anymore. I don't mm. want those things anymore. And, and I think that like, as in any relationship though, it gets better in time, right? So it's, you know, a lot of people have, have radical uh, transformations and, and uh, Christian who, uh, he's, he's our the spiritual advisor, director of alignments within the King's Council. He was radically delivered from addiction, 14 year addiction of, of pain, pain pills and like cold turkey done. He had zero desire for it anymore. Then that's where it's like, you can't tell me there's not a God like that, that can do that and that, that power that's there. Um, and I could go on and on with just stories in my personal life, but back to it being a relationship, a relationship is cultivated when you spend time with, with each other. And it's been radically changed in my life when I, when I seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness every single morning. And I'm spending time reading scripture that I, I didn't 
didn't make sense to me when I first read it, but now the revelation that's coming through is simply because I'm, I'm taking the time to actually read through it and understand it in a way that I never once did, but it's because of that relationship. You know, it is, it's a, as in any relationship, I believe it is a really a two way street where you got to spend time and, and give time and, and vice versa. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, God desires us. He desires each and one of us, but he's not going to make us do anything. And that's like the flexibility you called it. Like, he's like, I, I want you, but you got to want me. And if, whether that's rock bottom that somebody hits or the, the fruit in somebody's life. And this is where I think Christianity has gone so far down a path of like, cause when I was like, I had that background of, of giving my life to Christ. And then I kind of went, you know, the prodigal son style of like, <laughs> Hey, I'm going to go show my, Here's oats, my you know? inheritance. <laughs> right. Go, yeah. Exactly. But it wasn't even during any of that time where I was like, there's definitely not a God. There's like that. It was, it was like, I do, but I was like, oh, I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna yeah. do what I want to do. And, and just kind of through that, it was like, I knew that he never took his hand up off of me at all, but now it, it's just, it's, call it even maybe an appreciation so much more of just like, and I'm a, I was a freaking wreck. I still am. Right. And this is just, I'm thankfully, why do we bring him on? <laughs> wait, wait, out. you're not completely yeah, perfect. Right. <laughs> right. Wait a minute. Wait a it's minute. A what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, we all are really, if, if we truly just think about just like, we're figuring this thing out called life. And, and if I didn't have a, a desire to do more, go more, to be more a, a God that I could rely on, like I wouldn't, why would I be doing any of this? The King's council, why would I be doing any of that? Because it's a lot of work. Yeah, It's a lot of money. And it's one business that I've, I've started where it's like financially, it's like the worst decision I've ever made in my entire life. But it's, it's never a more fruitful decision in my entire life based upon the impact that it's had on souls mm. and, and how I've seen the fruit in other people's lives. And, and that's like the, the lasting the legacy, the impact that is the true fulfillment that, that I've, I receive and just being able to do that. I think it's a really great place to put a pin in the conversation, man. I know we've been talking for a while, so we want to get you out of here. Before we go, where should people go to learn a little bit more about what you got going on if they have some you yeah. know, questions about, you know, whether it's dinner seminars for their business yeah. or King's Council because they want to get closer to other Christian entrepreneurs? Yeah, for sure. Well, obviously podcast listeners. So we've got the King's Council podcast that you guys so gratefully kind of run for us is one of the ways I'm a, I'm a client. So the, yeah, the King's Council podcast is going to be, a lot of those are me just kind of ripping it on, on some teachings that really, a lot of it is entrepreneurship. I believe that the, you know, the, the playbook of life of how to, how to operate a business, how to even operate a relationship, there's principles within the Bible if we actually look for them and, and apply them. And, and so that's what a lot of our teachings are. So, and I want to preface it, like, you don't have to be a Christian to listen to that stuff, but I've realized because I wasn't necessarily a true following, you know, Christian when I was operating all my businesses. But when I look back and I realized the ones that had success and the ones that didn't followed a certain blueprint and a roadmap that I can easily pinpoint back to why they were successful and, and why they weren't. And so uh, we coach, we teach a lot about uh, that on that podcast, have certainly have guests on and things like that. But uh, yeah, so that's just the King's Council uh, podcast and on social media, you know, Instagram, everything there. But dinner seminars is is still our, our bread and butter. That's where we make our, our our money, where we make help other people make money as well. So 
socialdynamicselling.com. Awesome. Socialdynamicselling.com and then King's Council Podcast. Go check out all the stuff Riley's got going on. If you enjoyed any aspect, I mean, we're all over today. Education, parenting. I could go for another hour. Christianity, business. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, had a blast, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, brother. It's been good. Thank you for listening to the Figuring It Out Podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. For more information about the show, visit www.figuringitout.tv or connect with us anywhere on social media with the handle figuringitout.tv.